Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I've actually taken my first day off out in childcare and I decided to have a completely guilt-free day. Um, and I know that a topic, a hot topic that I want to talk about is um, mum guilt and also um, childcare and the guilt around that. So um, I'm really, really excited about today's guest. She is uh, Britain's top female downhill skier. She's a four-time Winter Olympian. She is the BBC ski presenter. She's a ski coach and I don't even know how she found the time to also have two children. Uh, it's mum of two. It's Shemi Olcott. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. I'm a big fan and every time I see you kind of posting about breastfeeding in public and mum guilt I'm like I feel that too Ashley I feel that so I, I'm so excited we can chat I feel like I've been um, like watching your journey from afar <laughs> funny enough um, I just randomly saw this clip that's going viral so I don't know how long ago it was but um, an actress a New Zealand actress called uh, Melanie Linsky her acceptance speech to thank her nanny for providing childcare so oh that she God. was able to go to work Huge. and I thought this was something that was really interesting because normally people either keep their nanny secret or they feel a lot of guilt and shame around around it um and i know that you went back to work after two weeks so i just wanted to like get yeah. your thoughts on this and ask if you had a nanny and i and i grew up in a really crazy household where i've got two older brothers and my mum did a degree in women's liberation and she felt like she had to do everything herself and not admit that our cleaner wasn't just our cleaner she was our nanny too so i got brought up with this this kind of belief that it was dirty to admit to having support in your in your household like you're not allowed to you're you're supposed to be seen to be doing it all yourself so it took me a year to publicly talk about having a nanny even though i was out there on the mountains two weeks after giving birth filming for ski sunday um, and obviously i was having help because there's no way i could have done what i could do there's no way i could have gone back to work in the mountains that quickly without help but it took me a year to admit to having a nanny because i was kind of brainwashed into thinking that i should be able to do it all myself and, and that's completely um, a, a kind of negative fantasy that I was brought up in that in that belief. So I'm really an advocate for being able to still wear the same hats that I wore before motherhood. And that is all down to the fact that we have incredible 
um, support at home and, and a nanny who lives with us. And she's amazing. And she started working with us when she was 19. Um, and she's still with us now. She is moving on soon. Um, but I just think it's it's important for you to admit that you're doing this because otherwise it's not realistic to other people, especially if you're semi in the public eye and people are following you. Like, how are you doing this? How are you able to do this? And you're you're kind of lying to your followers. And, and in your vulnerable state as a new mother, you want to be known that it's okay to go out there and ask for help. And some people have family to help. My mother's not around anymore. Um, and so it was it was important for me to actually find the confidence to say, no, I can only be the best version of me because I have a nanny. I'm so sorry about your mum, by the way. Um... It was it's a weird one, my mum not being here, because I, I got over it quite quickly. Um, I, she passed away when I was 22 and um, and I obviously cried. It was really hard at the time, but then I got back to life and life moved on. And I only ever started grieving again when I became a mum. I think when you become a mum, you need, you kind of retract into being that, that young girl who needs their mum again for support. You need someone who is there behind you, who can see you at your lowest, who understands it. And that role in your life in most people's life, is their mum. So I actually only started missing her again when I became a mum again. Oh, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because, um, I mean, I get on with my mum. I'm very lucky that she's still around, but I wouldn't say that she was, um, that we had that relationship. And now that I'm a mum, it's made me really, really think about our relationship. And some of the stuff she comes out with, I, I always say like, mum, how on earth did you raise us? Because she'll say <laughs> things like, she's from um, Newcastle, near Newcastle, hence why I'm doing an accent, by the way. It's not just like a random accent, but she's like, Ashley, do you never just put Alf outside in the pram and let and cry and oh I'm like God, oh, yeah. no no mum I, I, I really I really don't but thank you for ensuring <laughs> that you will not be looking after him anytime soon um, so yeah it's really interesting because I've thought a lot more about my upbringing and the way I was raised but also mm. like a newfound respect for my mum I've really realised that we had like quite different love, love languages and we've never like you know we've never not got on but um, I definitely have a lot more respect for her now that I'm a mum and like realising that you know she did her absolute best and made so mm. many sacrifices and sacrifices you know she had two jobs um, and uh, you know it, it's when you're little like you only really yeah. want like your parents Around. So when they weren't around, you know, I kind of like, I guess, harbored a bit of resentment towards mm-hmm. that. But now that I'm a mum myself, I'm like, wow, they really did what they believe to be the best thing to give us the best opportunities. Exactly. And, and I mean, the world's changed in terms of danger and everything. And um, I remember... Uh, one of my friends in Norway, her mum saying to me, oh, but we just wrap the kids up and leave them outside at minus 20. So after my second, I went back to work again. I basically had terribly timed babies. Um, both of them were born in January. And uh, the Ski Sunday TV show is basically filmed January, February. Um, and I was you like, really I, made it hard for yourself, yeah, basically. Like, I'm not giving up my role. I fought so hard for this. And actually, in 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 their defence, the, the Ski Sunday producer was like, look, Shemi, we think you're asking a bit too much from yourself. But as soon as someone says that, you're like, I can do this. Um, but I went up to uh, Sweden and it was freezing up there. And everyone's like, why are you, why do you keep bringing him in? Cooper's asleep. You should leave him outside in the pram with all those clothes on at minus 20 because that's how they grow their <laughs> resilience and their immunity. And I was like, really? I mean, in London, you know, and if it's minus one, we don't do anything like that. But, um, you know, it's all these different parenting styles. I remember actually when someone said to me, oh my gosh, you're just like your mum. And for me, I, it was a really, it was a really weird one because I kind of resented that a little bit because I thought my mum was crazy and some of the decision making that she had when we were growing up and the force of nature that she was. 
Um, but I think, you know, once they've passed away and they're not here anymore, you kind of, you want to be a bit of them. Like I, I now take it as a real compliment because my mom managed to bring up three, you know, very individual, but very confident children. Um, and actually because of that, I think, you, I don't know if you're the same, but I always wanted what I had. So I wanted to have two boys and a girl because I have got two uh, blood brothers. I've got a bit, quite a bigger extra family now, but I had two blood and I was like, right, that's what I've got. And now I've got two boys. Um, but I, I, I can't have a third. I think I am just surviving. Like I've actually finally admitted to myself that I am that swan where I look kind of elegant out of water and what I'm projecting to the world is that I'm in control, but my legs are crazy and I'm upstream and I'm just afloat. And I thought if we throw another mix into that, then, uh, then we might not survive. And I might, you know, you do feel like you, you might not have enough love for the next one, which I know is so silly. Because you, you've just got one, haven't you? And I guess you might be in the same boat where you think, can I extend this love beyond Alfie? Because you love him so much. Like I talk about this all the time. People listening are probably like, shut up, Ashley. But because I didn't want children before I got pregnant, I never really envisioned, you know, I never thought when I'm older, I'll have... Because I'm I'm from a family, um, I've got a brother and a sister and I'm really close with them. And, um, you know, I would hate for them not to be around, of course. But then I think I really, you know, and people are like, oh, one's a doddle. And in my head, I'm like, well, then I am not made for motherhood <laughs> because this is not a doddle to me. But also I feel, it's more that I feel like I love him so much. I'm so like pleased and happy that he's around. Like he brings so much joy. Yeah. And I know that I would love another one the same, mm -hmm. like of course I would, but it's more that I, I feel happier now because I'm starting to get my life back, yeah. you know? Yeah. And then you feel guilty for thinking actually like, like, like now, you know, even physically, mentally, I feel like I'm just coming out the other side of not, not having a, a little baby anymore. And then you feel guilty for going, oh my gosh, you know, am I, am I allowed to feel like this again? Am I allowed to feel like the, the Shemi pre-babies again? But you totally, I mean, this guilt thing, I really want to address this quite a lot because I, I have it massively from, from everything. Even, you know, I've got a name guilt for my second. My first is called Lockie and my second is called Cooper. And Cooper was a name that I dejected and rejected for Lockie. And then, you know, <laughs> two years later comes around and I'm like, oh my God, boys' names, I'm really struggling, really struggling. And then I was like, I'm just, I'm going to use Cooper because I liked it and it's kind of funky. Um, and then everyone's like, oh, how did you come up with that name for Cooper? And I'm like, well, I actually had it for Lockie, but I didn't choose it for Lockie. And I'm like, oh my gosh, does that mean that Cooper's second best? But it doesn't. It's just, you have this, you know, your, your brain does crazy things when you're a mum, making you judge every decision way harder than it should be. Yeah, it's interesting because I feel like I don't actually get much mum guilt. Like, for example, like, do I feel guilty about the fact that I've decided to take a day off today, even though Alice in childcare and it should be my work day? No. Like, do I feel guilty that I send after childcare? No. Like, I, I actually feel like this is making me like a way better mum because the time mm -hmm. I get with him. Mm -hmm. But where I feel guilty is, so going back to... um you know, the the idea around the nanny, like I genuinely didn't realize that there was a stigma around um, having a nanny. And, you know, my, my parents are from a working class background. Like I mentioned before, they they worked two jobs to try and give us the opportunities. And my mum was a hairdresser and um, 
she basically had to go back to work after six weeks. So we, similar to what you were saying, you know, we had um, a nanny, Vicky. She started with my brother. She must have been about 19 when she started. And she she was our nanny like all the way through until we, you know, we left. We left and then she carried on helping my mum. At that point, we lived in like a bed and breakfast that my parents ran and she helped. So she's just always yeah. been around. And I genuinely did not know that there was like a, a stigma around that because... Um, how are people meant to go back to work? Mm. You know, and, and don't get me wrong. I, I know that there's like, um, there's a big financial thing around childcare and not everyone can afford it. And yes, I appreciate that. But I got a nanny um, because, you know, similar to you, like I don't get maternity leave. I really want to work. I felt like mm-hmm. um, I didn't want to like take my finger off the pulse. I'd worked too hard in the industry to like feel like mm-hmm. I, I was going to get replaced. So um, I found an amazing nanny. She still comes one day a week. She used to come two or three days a week. But because I was breastfeeding on demand, like I really need, like I couldn't send him away to nursery because he was feeding all the time. And that was really my only option. And like, yes, of course, I'd have preferred to have like spent the money on something else. But that was, it was really like work or have a nanny. And I love the fact that, you know, he loves her. Like she really is part of the family. Like I love her and she saved my sanity. She saved my, my mentality. She like allowed me like, even like sometimes she just comes in and is like, give me a hug. And she's amazing. And and I'm the same. I'm the same. I really, I I over befriend everyone. And I'm like, I don't want, I've just done an advert because as I said, my nanny's moving on. And the first line is, this isn't a nanny role. This is part of our family. Because I, I, I want to love this person. I want them to love my boys and I want them to feel part of this. It's not because I've heard some crazy um, the way people treat their nannies is, is kind of crazy. You know, they have to eat with the kids. They're not allowed to communicate with the parents. Um, I, I think a lot of people feel pressured into having kids now because it's the thing to do. So some people do have them who certainly, you know, it, it wasn't their dream. They, they didn't want to do it. And when their kids come, it, it's not the fulfilling role that they want. So then the nanny becomes that role. But for me, I love my kids more than everything in the world, but I also know that I need to find who I am. And I, and like you, love working. I, I, I mean, I do get to work in the best job in the world. I'm in the mountains, I'm presenting, and it makes me a better mum because they see me going out there. They see me following my dreams and they know that when I am there, I am super present. You know, I am not a hands-off mum. My dream is, is to make them laugh and giggle every single day. And, and I know that I can't do that all the time. So I try and make up for it when when I'm away for the times that I'm present. And I think that it's only it's taken me now. And, you know, Cooper's three years old. It's taken me now to feel at peace with that because I do. I did feel judged. And it's so ridiculous because we need to empower other women to do what is right for them. I take my hats off to full time mums because I couldn't do it. I genuinely couldn't do it. I couldn't I couldn't put the whole part of me that was before motherhood to the side and sacrifice every part of my being to be responsible for for these little people. I couldn't do that. I would be terrible. I would harbour resentment. I would be bitter. So I feel like getting this equilibrium that so many of us want but don't have the confidence and balls to charge after is is really important. And that's why a nanny, nanny role is essential. It's so funny because I I obviously realized the judgment around it once I started talking about my nanny, but it was also really important to me that I never pretended that I was doing it all because how can you do it all? And funny enough, a really good friend of mine who um, doesn't have children, she sent me a screenshot the other day and somebody on Instagram was like applying for a full-time 
uh, putting a job out for a full-time nanny role. And she messaged me saying, wow, what a lifestyle. And I was like, sorry, can you just clarify what you mean by a lifestyle? Like for the nanny or are you, do you mean like oh. for the, for the mom? And she was like, oh, well, it must be so nice to not look after your own kids. And so I was like, I'm just going to stop you there because I was like, actually, if, if she is able to and wants to for whatever reason, like maybe because she has to work, maybe she has multiple kids and let's be real, like nursery is really expensive. Expensive. Mm-hmm. So if you have multiple kids, actually a nanny might be the like the more cost saving, you know, mm-hmm. twins, for example. Mm-hmm. But I said, isn't it funny that nobody would say to a dad, wow, what a lifestyle you get to live because you get to go to work yeah. and the mum stays at home. Like it's not considered a lifestyle. It's just presumed that the That's if you're in a heterosexual relationship, that that is the woman's role. So then the the idea that having a nanny is a lifestyle. And I was like, you know, it's this whole idea of ladies who lunch. Like I was actually quite looking forward. I was like, oh, am I, am I going to be that person? I've, I've not been a lady who lunches once yet. I, I feel like in the time that I get on my own, when either my nanny or he goes to their childminders, like I have so much to do because I'm trying to squeeze all my work that I used to get to do in like six days into three. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah. it's, it's, I, I said to her, I was like, I promise you it's not much of a lifestyle. It's not, And like nobody puts that on the men. No, that's a massive. I'm, I mean, I'm so lucky. My my other half, he's 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 championed me to go back to work and I mean when we had our our first Lockie two weeks later we were in the mountains and I remember the first day it was just such a stressful day I got the script and my brain was absolutely fried from struggling to breastfeed and I'd had his tongue tie cut twice and I was just in a really big state and I was in Italy in Cortina in this beautiful place and I was supposed to be delivering this piece to camera off by heart I was like I can't even remember my name let alone the script and then Dougie's like I've got this, babe. You can do this. So I left Lockie with him and uh, Lockie pooed and weed on him within the, and vomited in the first hour. And he was just messaging me saying, I've got this. It's fine. And then when I get back, obviously you get the whole story. But he literally was like, I, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to support you in this opportunity for you to go out there and, and try, you know, to regain a bit of who you were before. And, and actually him supporting me so quickly meant that I, I got so much confidence in myself very very fast after both babies because i i didn't lose my identity see that's amazing because i i feel like i did lose my identity and maybe you know because it was lockdown but how was it like going back to work after two weeks i mean when i think what i was like two weeks i don't even think i'd put a top on at that point to be honest <laughs> i don't think i put a top on for like six weeks and i guess um you must have been bleeding how, i'm not sure how you gave birth um but what was it like psychologically like was part of you thinking i just want to be at home with my babies but i feel like i don't have an option i mean i mean actually this is this is kind of crazy because it's not even a normal job i had to ski um, and I had my first labor, like everyone's first labor was um, quite disastrous. And I still had strong abs. Like I had a six pack still from being um, a ski racer. And every time I had a contraction, I had no control over these big meaty muscles. So Lockie's heart rate dropped to zero. Um, and I had like internal monitors and there was lots of talk about C-section. And I remember going, no, 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 I can't have a C-section because I, I had this plan. I'm so stubborn. This is what athletes bring to the table, right? They, they've they got a goal. They've got a plan. You can't waver off that plan. And I had that plan going into childbirth, which is stupid. Like I actually, I think having a childbirth plan is 
it, you have to have an idea of what you want. But I, I don't really agree with writing it down because so much has to be flexible and fluid with how you're feeling. And I remember hearing Dougie say um, about five months into my pregnancy, I heard him on the phone um, talking to a friend who'd just given birth. And Doug's like, oh, well, Shemi, Shemi won't need drugs because she's a nutter and she's really hard and she's got a high pain threshold. Now, he maintains he never said this, but I remembered that. In labor, I was thinking about the going, he thinks I can do this without an epidural. I mustn't let him down. It's so ridiculous. And eventually I had to have an epidural because they had to calm my muscles down. Like I had no control of these meaty muscles pressing on this poor baby. So I had one. Um, and then afterwards, really quickly, because I'm very honest, like I said, oh, my gosh, are you, are you disappointed in me? And, you know, all he is is full with love and admiration. He's just seen me go through this 18 hour journey of hell. And he's like, what do you mean? And it's something I really wish I discussed with him beforehand, because I think I may I must have made it up in my head. It's so out of character to say that, but I made it up in my head. And then I, because I'm an athlete, I've gone, right, OK, this is the expectation of me. I'm going to, to, to fight for this, whatever. And it's so absolutely ridiculous. Um, but yeah, so I had this. Isn't that crazy? I was going to say, it's, it's funny, isn't it? Because you're right, like, it, before I went through childbirth, I mean, my mum said something similar, like, I've got a high pain threshold, so, you know, I didn't need... Um I didn't need painkillers or whatever it was. And whenever I'd heard that people gave birth without drugs, I was like, wow, that's so brave. Like what heroes, like, that's amazing. And now I'm like, isn't it? It's a competition. How crazy is it a competition? You don't get a badge for like suffering. And it's so weird. And um, I actually, I, I've talked about my birth before, but um, long story short, I didn't get pain relief, um, but I was begging for it. And um, eventually I got pethidin, I think in like hour 16. Um, but I was really, I mean, I was begging for a C-section. I was begging, I was like, I was, I was so desperate for pain relief and it never came. So then when I said, um, you know, you announce the pre the birth and whatever. And I said it was 9.5 pounds. And that's massive um, without drugs. <laughs> absolutely massive. But everybody was like, wow, you're amazing doing that without doing that without drugs. And I was like, no, 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 I'm, I'm literally not a hero. I'm just quite traumatized because it, like it was, it was not yeah. a choice. Yeah. And, but yet why do we, it's a bit like somebody getting, I don't know, going to get their teeth pulled out, but being like, I'll veto the uh, general anesthetic. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you think they're crazy. You would think they were crazy. You think, yeah, are you like, trying who to. Who is this maniac that doesn't want to go down into general? There's a reason we have painkillers. But yeah, so it's so, because I've got very, I, I've got that similar story to you with my second. Um, I was induced, and then 40 minutes later, I had a baby. And I, I remember I was trying to have a water birth, and I was like, quick, can you turn the water on? And they're like, no, no, we're just going to check, monitor you. Um, beforehand, we and, and I was in this beautiful room in Kingston Hospital, and um, and they monitored me, and they're like, "Oh my God, we need to get you in a wheelchair." This really annoyed me actually. They get me in a wheelchair, and you've got, you've got to go and have this baby right now. And I was like, "No, no, no, I want the water birth." They're like, you don't have time. You don't have time. And I was like, "No, that's again." I was trying to control this situation where my body had full control of it, and my brain was going, "No, this is my plan." And um, but again, I was just screaming for drugs, and they're like, "We well, can see the baby's head," and I was like, "No, no, 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 I need drugs." And even after he came out. I was like, is there, is there any painkillers I can have now? They're like, no, no, you won't need them in a minute. <laughs> Just give me drugs. <laughs> but the baby's here. <laughs> yeah, can I can I have them to take away just for fun? Or <laughs> yeah. you, you mentioned as well about birth plans. So were you? what was your birth plan like for Lachlan? Oh, my God. I had like Enya CDs. I, 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 I spent a week looking at snacks. I had the biggest. I, you know how most people have a big bag they take in of clothes and things like that. Mine was full of food. I'm, I'm not a very good hangry person. So I'd done 
on this. And I'd like, oh my God, I spent so much money on like protein bars to sugar bars to, I remember Werther's Originals and I can't eat them now because I must have had, I don't know how many Werther's Originals I had. Um, and Oasis, you know, the, the red Oasis, I also can't have that anymore because they were like, oh, your sugar levels are low, you've got to sip on this. Um, but yeah, so my, my birth plan was, um, oh God, I downloaded series to watch on iPads. Like I had magazines, I had house and garden. I did literally for 18 hours, I didn't do anything. Dougie, Dougie gave me a running commentary of the, the outside of Kingston Hospital because it was January the 13th. So basically I, I actually gave birth on Friday the 13th. And I remember I was two weeks late and he was due on the first um, and Dougie was away with work in Italy until the 8th. And I'd heard everyone say, oh, your first one, especially if it was a boy, always late. And I really, I like kept that in mind. I was like, it's okay. And, and we'd made a plan that if I went into labor, Dougie would fly home and it would be all be fine. I didn't even have a spare, like a spare birthing partner, a substitute birthing partner, because I was so convinced that he would be there. And everyone's like, you're very relaxed for this. Um, and uh, anyway, so then Dougie gets back on like the 8th of January and I'm like, great, the baby can come. But I think I'd put all this energy into the baby not coming because... Dougie had to be there that um they were like right you're gonna have to be induced and the night before I was induced I had a trampoline I actually went on the trampoline I really must say to any of your listeners it's not the thing no one recommends it it did not work and it was very unpleasant but I in my head like I said I've got these crazy goals and I'm very stubborn so I tried to bounce the the process to start and it didn't work so then I was um that I was induced and, and that was not my plan. I didn't want to be induced. I had, you know, visions of being this earth mum, which is crazy because I don't know if you know, actually, but I've broken a lot of bones in my life and had a loads of surgeries and, you know, under lots of general anesthetic. So to now suddenly become an earth mum, because I don't want any drugs in my system is, is absolutely ridiculous. And it didn't turn out that way anyway, but yeah, I had, I had Enya CDs. I had water birth in there. I yeah. And what? How did you actually end up giving birth? Like a vaginal birth in the end, not C-section. Oh my god, stirrups! I had I had nineteen seventy stirrups. Like I couldn't I couldn't even move position because I had this internal monitor on his heart rate. I was literally a vaginal birth and really old school. Like I I bought in two two fit balls. I had two of those big balls because I thought Dougie might want one and I could have one. And oh my god, it's just ridiculous the amount of stuff I took. Uh, to be fair, I took I did take a lot of stuff and I took loads of snacks because everybody said, Yeah, download a series and take all the snacks. And I was honestly in like constant pain, not actually from the contractions. I think it was like just pelvic girdle pain, not with a really big baby, but I was in like constant pain and i i was not eating i was like puking like the thought of like eating or watching oh, series i was not there yeah and um no, me neither it's yeah. it's so funny isn't it because i mean i i think i i was always quite chilled about my birth plan but i also expected things to happen if i wanted them <laughs> um yeah how did you feel when you when you got pregnant again like about going into childbirth again like in what way was it different for you? Um, it was quite interesting because I really struggled to get pregnant. We, sorry, really struggled to get pregnant with Lockie. It took us 18 months. I was addicted to caffeine. So my body was in fight or flight uh, for a long time and my adrenal glands were overworking. Um, and so I started seeing people about fertility. And I remember I saw this incredible acupuncturist. Um, and I lay there and I remember it was the most relaxed I'd ever been. I had two days off work and he and he took all my vitals and he said, there's no way your body can get pregnant right now. You know, it's it's trying to deal with this tension, stress and this high um, paced life that you're living. Because I basically 
quit from skiing 90 miles an hour and just substituted it with being unbelievably busy because I was so worried about who I would be without skiing. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to have a baby as well. Um, so it was really, he was amazing for me because he, he, you know, took me off caffeine. Um, and, and actually we ended up getting pregnant because I tore my ACL. Um, so the cruciate in my knee and I had surgery and I, and I had to stop. <laughs> so it took us like 18, 19 months to get pregnant with Lockie. <laughs> and then with Cooper, um, we were like, oh, you know, let's start trying because it might take a long, long time. And it was the first time we tried to have another baby. Push Your Peak is a brand new podcast brought to you by What Bike. Join me, Louise Minchin, and some of the world's most incredible sports people to learn what it takes mentally and physically to push yourself beyond your limits. Whether you're an elite or everyday athlete, it can be hard to continually progress. How do you push yourself out of your comfort zone? Where do you go to find that inner drive? Tune in to hear these inspiring stories and take away the belief that you can achieve your own goals no matter how big or small you can find us wherever you got this podcast just search push your peak if you're looking for plump lips that last you need to know about juvederm lip fillers with juvederm volbella xc and juvederm ultra xc your lip look whether it's subtle or bold can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at juvederm.com today that's j-u-v-e-d-e-r-m.com add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with juvederm volbella xc or juvederm ultra xc do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I read that you'd had um, fertility acupuncture. How how does that how does it work? Yeah, I think I think it's just based on your system working as a whole as efficiently as it can, so you can allow your your body to be um, open to being pregnant. 
I, I do have to say this. I'm not sure I should say this, but I think part of the reason it works is because the man is so beautiful. Like he's not single or anything, but he is so good looking that these women go into a room with him. <laughs> and I think he's just this kind of God. But um, he's got this um, unbelievably like relaxed tone. I, I mean, and it worked for me. And he was actually the guy who told me I was pregnant because um, I was still going to him. And I kept having these negative pregnancy tests every month because that's what I found really challenging. Again, you know, trying to force everything to happen and having these goals in my life. I, the, the, our first ovulation month, after deciding we were going to have a baby, I booked a holiday to Bali. Um, and I was like, right, we're going to get pregnant because there's never a time where we relax this much and can spend enough time getting it on this much. And then we didn't get pregnant. And for every month, the same signs as your, you know, your, about to have your period are early pregnancy. So I used to get my hopes up. I'm a very positive person, which is great in the in the bigger picture. But every month I thought I was pregnant and then it's like, oh, I'm not, I'm not. And then um, on the month that I, last month I went to see this acupuncturist. I was like, oh, I've just had a negative test. And I was quite down. Um, and he took all my vows. He's like, are you sure? You, you know, I can feel a different energy in your body and I'm getting different system reactions. Um, and I was like, no, I'm sure, I'm sure. Like, you know, don't. And he, but he kept quizzing me. And then, anyway, I, I, I suppressed this because I, I didn't want to disappoint myself by doing another pregnancy test and for about four nights. And then I did one, and I was pregnant. Oh wow! <laughs> it sounds weird, but just knowing that we, we were both compatible, and, and that's something that I say to friends now who are just starting out on their fertility journey. I'm like, go and get a test straight away if you can afford it to know that you're both okay so that you can relax. Because after 18 months, we started to think, I'm five years older than Dougie. And I started to think, and I've had all these surgeries. So I genuinely was like, oh my gosh, this is something to do with me. Um, or we're not compatible or, you know, crazy things start going on in your head. So I always say, if you if you know that, if you can tick both those boxes saying, look, you're great, you're, your eggs are great, and my sperm's great, we're going to be fine. We just need to be relaxed about it. I think it would be an easier... That's why, you know, second pregnancies is you kind of know, you know, you're going to get pregnant if you've got pregnant before. Mm. Or you know, you can, you know, you can, sorry. How did you um, navigate pregnancy having like tried for so long to be pregnant, if you don't mind me asking? Because um, I imagine it must be when you've been on a fertility journey, it must be like, were you uh, like, were you very anxious? I loved it. No, I loved it. I was no, I, as I said, I'm a really <laughs> positive person. So I never thought about the other side and the dangers or, you know, anything like that, my body rejecting it. I I just loved it. I embraced every part of it. I was that person who showed off their bump all the time. I, I annoyingly held my bump all the time. I was just, I have never, this is a very strange thing, having been in a sport that's all about strength and going to the gym and having a certain body type, but I've never been more confident with my body than when I was pregnant. I absolutely loved it. Like having this unearthly feeling that you're growing something, especially when you can feel the baby kicking. I was just like, this is unbelievable. You know what? I, have to, I absolutely have to say the same. I think like first trimester, I found it a bit hard because you just feel a bit like, well, I've at least felt like lethargic yeah. and bloated. And yeah. I was like, where's this like belly? You always see like everyone with their beautiful bellies. And I just had like, a couple of rolls and I was like, well, this is sad. <laughs> um, but then, yeah, like second trimester, I, I genuinely think I've never felt as goddess-like yeah. and empowered in yeah. second trimester. I would love to be yeah. in a permanent state of second trimester. <laughs> Me too. I, I'm the same as well because you, you just feel like you're giving your body over to a bigger purpose and it doesn't matter what people think of you I don't know I felt yeah I felt really confident really empowered you mentioned um being an athlete and obviously 
kind of having an, a, an expectation or pressure, I guess, to, to look a certain way or at least perform a certain way. What was the postnatal period like for you in terms of like body image? The, the first time, actually, I was really good. I gave myself, I mean, I, I was in such survival mode um, with Lockie being a newborn, having no clue. We didn't have a house. We'd knocked the first, we had a massive house project. And because of planning permission being delayed, we knocked our first brick down the day after Lockie was born. So we lived with friends for one, for the first year of his life, um, which was just mental, you know, in people inviting us to stay, taking care of us. And actually it was quite amazing because one of the, fa- the first family we went to, um, they had three kids and they were all excited about this baby. So I had so much like support with them. Oh, what amazing friends as well to like welcome in a family with newborn oh my god I know I know I know it was it was really really lucky but I was as I was in survival mode I and I didn't want to start being addicted to caffeine again um, because I was breastfeeding and I knew the health uh, risks there I just ate sugar actually I literally was skiing and I would eat sugar like whatever I saw I remember being in Sweden and they had the most amazing cakes I would just eat it and I just ate and ate and ate and I didn't care I like I didn't care how I looked in the mirror I never judged myself, which is quite amazing at that period, at that period. Um, and then we got pregnant again. So I, I didn't do any kind of diet or anything. And then we got pregnant again. And I kind of did the same with Cooper. I went into this like, right, I, I need what I need. And then I remember when Cooper was about six months old, I finished the winter. Um, and it was the first time that I looked in the mirror and I was like, right, I, I'm kind of a bit disgusted with my reflection. Like I know it's it's made these two incredibly healthy, happy boys, but I'm losing myself behind behind being bigger than my natural body type and also I started to feel lots of pain in my knees again so I was I, I was about 83 kilos so my, my fighting weight is about 69 kilos and after Cooper six months after him I was 83 kilos so I had all this extra weight on my knees which I've had surgery on and I was feeling pain and I was quite low in myself and I reached out to a friend of mine uh, raw fitness girl who's Sarah Lindsay I've been to a couple of Olympics with her and she does these kind of transformations. Um, and I spoke to her and I said, look, I am really low in confidence. I need you to help me. And that's the first time where I actually, you know, got my vanity back, I guess, and, and got my, uh, not self-respect, not self-respect because my self-respect was coming from far deeper level than how I looked, which I'm really proud of actually. Um, but she really helped me get myself back. And that was quite hard to lose that weight because I was still breastfeeding and I actually cut too many calories too quickly the first month and my milk depreciated um, and its quality got worse. So I realized there was kind of a happy medium that I couldn't get back to where I wanted to as quickly. And I took the journey slower, but I I did get there um, within a few months. And um, that's when I kind of, you know, got back to me again. I didn't push it after Lockie at all because I I knew I wanted more than one. It's so interesting to me because obviously, like you come from um, a background of being an athlete. So your your body and knowing your weight for performance and stuff is obviously like something that was really important. Whereas I don't own scales and I really like strongly believe for myself that like there's no point in owning scales because like at the end of the day, what what does it tell you? You know, like I'm, I'm not an athlete. And um, for me, it's like a feeling. And I think we can get so caught up, especially in that postnatal period, because, you know, suddenly everything's starting to like deflate and, you know, your body's just, I mean, it's, you're producing milk, you're bleeding. Like it's just not a very like sexy time at all, is it? And you're in survival mode and you're trying to adapt to this new life. But for me, it's always been a feeling rather than a size or a number. 
Um, but I think it's so easy to get caught up in looking at pictures of how you looked in the past and being like, I wish I, if I look like that again, I'll be happy. But for me, I was like, was I happy at that time? Because if I wasn't, that tells me that it's actually got nothing to do with my body and everything to do with my mindset. Because, you know, I feel like we're all, you know, I'll probably look back at how I look now and think, wow, what did I worry about? And probably when I'm 40 and I'll look back when I'm 60, I'll look back at me when I was 40. So I really, really tried to get into this like reminder for myself that it's, um, it's not a number or a size. It's very much a feeling, isn't it? And that can mean so many different things for people. Yeah, I, d- I mean, I definitely, I definitely have that. Um, athletes tend to be incredibly self-aware. I mean, my 25 years of my life, every morning I woke up and had to tick a chart of how I was feeling, what I was weighing, how much, what, what, what hydration my pee was. I mean, everything was a stat. So like you said, now I don't, I'm the same. I don't have scales now. And, and I don't care what those scales say. It's like you said, do, do I feel confident enough to, to own a bikini and wear a bikini? And for, for me, I can, even though I've got cellulite and everything, because I've got two kids and I walk around with two kids and I'm like, you know, they, they are a part of me now. And it, everyone can see where they've come from. So I, I just think you, you have a lot more respect for your body after you've given birth because it's the most wonderful thing. That, that any bodies can ever do that you you, you have to give it um, a lot of time and a lot of love and if you can love yourself regardless of what you you know what, what so social media is brutal with this because you get so caught up and you are an amazing role model for this Ashley you get so caught up with these famous people who you know drop 10 sizes straight away well if, if you're doing that the likelihood is you, you can't breastfeed and if that's a your goal of yours then you need to rid of that because if you're dropping calories that quickly it does like i found out uh, affect your milk supply also you know they have all this help around them they have gyms at home when their baby's sleeping they don't go out of the house to the gym they've got it right there so i think it is really hard for for new mums especially first-time mums to to feel and be themselves and, and love themselves and all you need to do is look at your baby and go i have done that you've grown that for me that was that was key and also like for me, it's realizing as well that like your bones don't even move back into place for like a year or, you know, at least like 10 months. So like you can do all this crazy stuff, but actually like your body will shift as it's meant to. Like that is nature. And it's interesting, isn't it? Like what you're saying about comparing yourself to like celebrities. And I actually hate the policing of women's bodies and, and like the terms of bouncing back because, you know, as we all know, uh, listening to this podcast, I imagine like the, the postnatal journey, like, God, weight and appearance is like, I mean, I, I don't even think it's the tip of the iceberg because I don't even think it should be a factor at all. Like you are recovering from major surgery and uh, this idea of like the tabloids um, really like stoke, like f- what's the word, stoke the flames because you know, whether it's Emily can't ever say her surname, Ratajowski, or whether it's, um, I think recently I saw Rosie Huntington-Whiteley, it's always 
Rosie T. Hunton rightly steps out, showcasing her postnatal figure just six weeks after giving birth. And they always put that time. And what that tells us is, number one, like the most important thing about them stepping outside is not their health, is not whether they have piles or prolapse or their mental health is okay. It's like, look at them. They, wow, clap, clap, clap. They look like they have had a baby. And it puts this like inner pressure on all of us that we're yeah, like, we oh my are going to be like, judged. We will be judged. Judged. I actually, I even had that in um, in pregnancy. I remember uh, with Lockie, it's my first pregnancy, and I was like five months pregnant, and I was lifting weights in the gym, um, a really, really lovely gym. And this guy comes over who I'd never seen before and said, "You shouldn't be doing that." Um, uh, he didn't say in your condition, but he was implying in my condition of being pregnant. Um, I hope you were like, listen, mate, I am Britain's top female downhill skier. I'm a four-time Winter Olympian. I really bloody wish I had. And it's one of the big resentments, <laughs> of, uh, not resentments, but I had this like weakness at the time where I, I, for a moment, I put the weights down. I was like, you're right, you're right. And I walked away and then I had the confidence. I went on, I stopped lifting weights, went across trainer. And I was like, no, you know what? Go over to him, talk to him. And I went over and I said, sorry, um, are you have you got a scientific background in in, in uh, training whilst being pregnant or anything like that and he's like no and I'm like are you a, are you a dad he's like no and I was like well okay here's the stat you are allowed to do things that you've done before so you don't know but I've lifted weights like double this my whole life but you wouldn't know that and you're just judging me on who I am and it's taken me as a very confident person to come over here and say this to you if you did this to other women you might take training away from them during pregnancy which is the only healthy thing that they're doing for themselves that helps them sleep in a time where you can't sleep when you're pregnant so you need to think about what you're saying and I was really proud of myself afterwards actually but I did let him but I did I did let him take that session away from me that day but not again but I did change my uh, this is actually quite important people I did or what I I I find it really helpful because obviously my my first labor I, I I think I had too much muscle and not enough control. So during my second pregnancy, I substituted weights. I did loads more Pilates so that I learned about my inner core and control. Um, and my pregnancy was much easier. But more than that, my my um, my stomach knitted together way quicker the second time. Um, and I really put that down to all the Pilates that I did. And I think um, professionals, if you can afford it, obviously, I know it's expensive, but now everything is on YouTube as well. Um, professionals who do pregnancy Pilates are amazing for, for supporting your body through that growing stage. I can absolutely say that I did um, not have too much muscle <laughs> during my pregnancy, but but I um, I I was also told in my recovery to do Pilates as well. Um, so yeah, I can I can second that, and I I do love that. I I mean I'm 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 always a bit shit with exercise to be honest. I, I, I'm okay, but um, I I do really enjoy like doing Pilates when I can, and I normally do it in the house. Just well, that's perfect. You find something you enjoy, and that's the, that's the thing with exercise. It's it's kind of a very unsexy word, but it's it's being creative and doing something for you, and it doesn't have to be a physical thing. It's just something where you give your time over to make yourself feel better at the end of, you know, 10, 20, whatever minutes it is, you can put aside for yourself. Um, I, I really want to end on, because I feel like we did like a really nice circle of this idea of like, why it's so important to be transparent about things, whether that's having childcare or having personal trainers, you know, we're talking about celebrities and the fact that they, you know, they have access to things that, you know, us mere mortals um, or, 
you know, don't have access to. And I feel lucky, you know, I, I had, I have access to things that other people won't, but it's the idea that if we pretend that we're doing it all ourselves. It's, it's a lie. It is a lie. It is. But also we're allowed to be honest without facing backlash, because I think that's why people are afraid to be honest about things. And also, I guess nobody owes anybody their truth, but I just think it would, it would be so much nicer if we could just own it and support each other. Um, but I've loved listening to, um, to your story I feel like I could talk to you about so much more like oh it's been so good and I and I love this I'm all about empowering women whether that's motherhood whether that's profession whether that's taking more risks and you know learning from failure I I think it's really really important we are all incredibly wonderful individual people um, who are going out there on on really challenging journeys um, whatever walk of life you're from so I think motherhood is the ultimate challenge for me. I mean, I chose to be a downhill ski racer from London and that was a piece of piss compared to motherhood. So, you know, I think we have to support each other and be there for each other. I'd love actually to know, like, if you're listening, do you judge people that have nannies or did you before motherhood? Because I, I've realised, I figured it out, I think I would be a really good dad because I would love just to be able to go to work and also get, be, be told all the time that I'm really hands-on and that I'm such a great person for doing my little bit of babysitting on the side. That gets me when dads say, oh, I'm on, I'm on childcare duty today, I'm babysitting. I'm like, you know, no, no, you, you're a dad. That's not, no, you're just being a dad. That isn't babysitting. Yeah, please, please let me know what judgments that you either still have, like this is an open an open place, like either that you still have or that you had before you became a parent. Um, I always love to hear from you. And actually, before I go, I just want to share this message from Hayley. Um, she got in touch to say, I just want to thank you for the episode with Kate Lawler. I too get so much comfort from hearing people talk about this out loud. My boys are three and nine now, and I felt this way both times. I had some really dark some very very dark times very dark thoughts postnatal depression and something I never hear people talk about postnatal rage I had suicidal thoughts throughout it I was very similar in that I did not feel overly maternal before having children and I assumed that having the babies would bring nothing but love and happiness and it didn't not to begin with I missed my life before felt like I'd made a huge mistake bringing these topics to the mainstream and making it normal is just brilliant and I know it's not an easy topic to talk about thank you so much by the way I too am loving motherhood now from the age of one both times thing got so much easier and I can't imagine life without the boys now I hope that gives people anyone that is listening like feeling you know that they are going through it that there there is definitely light at the end of the tunnel and like I I'm really really happy that I got to have the conversation with Kate and I'm really happy that I got to have the conversation with you as well Shemi like thank you so much especially from your hotel in um, Austria (laughs) oh thank you so much for having me and keep up all this amazing community positive and uh you know support network that you've provided for so many mums thank you and thanks to all of you guys for listening to mums the word the parenting podcast don't forget to share subscribe follow all of the above um, so you never miss an episode and i'll see you same time same place next week hey it's Paige desorbo from giggly squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to quince I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.